So many, so many, so many damn books. Yeah. Yeah. I like the, the little ukulele thing. Um, so, uh, uh, welcome yeah, to, hi. to so many damn books. Uh, I'm Drew. I'm Christopher. Uh, we're recording this in the Dr. Doctor Studios in Brooklyn, New York City with uh, our trusty producer slash engineer, Luke Wiggett. Hi, Luke. Hi, Luke. Follow him on Twitter. He's, he's good on Twitter. God's teeth in me. Yeah. I've just started and it's, uh, yeah. It's, it's a good, excellent. Yeah. If you want to know about Luke, what you do. Yeah. First of all, tis the season. Indeed. <laughs> it's, it's, it's cold outside. We're drinking, we're drinking lovely, um, hot rum toddies. Rum hot toddies. Yeah. 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 Do you get, and, and this is, this is sort of connected in that judging a book by its cover, but I often buy liquor based on how nice the label is, which is how I ended up with Kraken Dark Rum. Oh, I just would have bought that for the name. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, yeah, I see. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. I do that, yeah. Um, or like nice packaging. Really nice packaging. The, um, the Brooklady Distillery mm-hmm. have the really nice packaging for their whiskeys, which are just fine whiskeys. Mm. But the packages are nice. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, um, I, uh, I just subscribed to Melville House's uh, novella series. Oh, yeah? For, for cheap, for like twelve ninety nine a month, you get two, two of like, those little attractive of ooh, novellas yeah. a month. Yeah. That's cool. Right? Is it like a random two? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Anyway, Merry Christmas to somebody. Yeah. Yeah. It's a do good that. idea. Do it. Okay. So second chances. That's what we're going to talk about first. Yes. Mainly because I brought this up to you because a book arrived in my mailbox and I stared at it kind of long and hard and thought, oh, do I actually, do what I actually want to read this? Um, Blake Butler's 300 million. Oh yeah. Yeah. I went to that, uh, book release party. Oh yeah. How was that? Um, he opted to yell his reading and it was sort of like a firebrand preacher in right. a way. I, um, I but understand that, but I feel like it was an interesting choice. I liked it. Um, and it made me excited to read the book. Are you going to read it? Yes. Should we read I, it for this? Yeah, why not? All right. If we both have it, we might as well. Um, <laughs> that can be our experimental fiction. Nice. Episode. To to come in the future. Yeah. Everyone um, get excited. But so. But so yeah, I read there is. So no what year. makes you want to make a second chance? Like why? Why is it just because you have the cop? They sent it to you and you feel obligated. I mean, there's a little bit of that. I'll be honest. Right. But I I remember conceptually and i feel like there's the chance that i'm falling into the same trap when i read there is no year i was like conceptually this sounds really cool and i got about halfway into it i was like oh my god like this deconstructed prose and i, I was ah i just i got so angry at it for some reason and the, the, the reason that i i think to to give a second chance is to me like sometimes i might have just chosen the experimental fiction book when really I'm not interested in, in reading that yep. or any of this. Like, um, for me, I read, uh, I read ton of French's in the woods mm-hmm. and I was so furious that she didn't give, you know, she didn't, um, she didn't exactly solve the central mystery. Yes. I don't know if that's a spoiler. I don't care. It's been out for long <laughs> enough. Yeah. We've statute of limitations. Um, but 
that's so that so bothered me that I didn't want to give her a second chance. But at the same time, like she, you know, she solved the mystery she wanted to solve in that book. And and I think my opinion on her and, and that book mellowed to the point where I wanted to read another one. Yeah. And I, just, I mean, it gets so lauded. It's like, wait a minute. Did I did I mess up? I think that's another reason to give a second chance is just like, what if everyone else is right? Mm hmm. <laughs> mm hmm. I mean, with Butler, everybody always talks about how, like, just truly weird and awesome. And this book, I don't know, the, the blurb is interesting. The first couple pages are more interesting. And, it, you know, maybe it's just, you're right, like, you read it at the wrong time, or you do, you're like, oh, I should have... Given that a real... Yeah, or, like, you're just in a shitty mood, and as a result... And, the, you know, there there's the other type of second chance, too, not just with authors, but with books themselves. Like, um, I read Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell. I read the first 150 pages of that book. It's like 800 pages. Yeah. And I kind of just said, well, this is not for me, Jane Austen magicians. <laughs> um, and then I would have made a horrible mistake because I think I picked the book up, like, four or five years later. Oh, nice. And it was amazing. Yeah. I mean, that book is titanic in, in every possible way. Yeah. Um, Gosh, that book is good. Susanna Clark, where are you? You know, right. She wrote that little collection of short stories afterwards. You know what? I don't think she, I think that was a collection of past things. It probably takes her a while. I mean, 800 page books don't come from nowhere. Yeah, that's, that's true. I thought they did. I thought they just were (laughs) dropped off at the window. So, you know, there was something that nice in that, those, um, well, I was going to transition really nicely into the second part, but I'm actually going to talk about second chances a little longer. I know I have one. So here's a guy who I've given a second chance to, and I've decided I'm done. Hmm. Uh, and that is Philip Roth. Oh yeah. Yeah. I read the ghostwriter when I was young and I was like, all right, this is fine. I don't really. And then I read the plot against America for my book club last year. Mm -hmm. And I just read the humbling because I went to a screening of the film I was like, I, you know, I get it. You're a fine writer, but I don't, I don't need to read any more of your books. And that's, I mean, that's sort of the the beauty and interest of of um, of giving a second chance to me is just like, is sort of like if you read one book of of an author who's more prolific, and you don't try again, like mm-hmm. uh, assuming you know they they tried something different, and if you didn't, if you didn't like one thing it's kind of interesting to take another dip in the mind and be like did I not like that story or do I just not like that writer yeah I think that's really important with with first novels in general too Mm. is that people so often like you go all in on this first novel you know somebody gets like a 1.2 million dollar advance on their first novel and if you don't like it that uh, why not try the second one yeah like yeah there's a lot of reading to be done So I'm going to go back to the Susanna Clark. She did the um, illustrations for that book. Did you herself. really? Yeah. Really, really beautiful and strange. And it added a nice sort of thing where the, the illustrated novel is, um, is used to be like a norm, kind of. Well, yeah. I mean, you look at most of Dickens' work had... Um, That's partially because it was serialized in a magazine, though. 
Yeah, but you know when they Still. collected it, it's that. But it, you know, it's a nice thing. It all of a nice, sudden you have oh, yeah. oh, this is a 19th hmm. century book that right. you're reading because it already has like the um, all of the the uh, footnote citations of like books that don't exist. Yeah, which was great and added a really nice layer to the to the novel of making it much more of this object of of a world that might exist, but it's just very close to our own. Mm-hmm. And so I think that the best gimmicks do something like that. Like in, um, you know, the most gimmicky book that ever gimmicked, um, J.J. Abrams and Doug Dorst's S, S yeah. which was really fun with the book. And then it looked like a library book and then all the different writing in it. Shit falling out of all it. All the yeah. pieces of it. And then all the websites being real websites. And it goes, I feel like the in the modern era we get, we're sort of spoiled in a way because you see, like when Nine Inch Nails did the Year Zero album, they had like the alternate reality game that mm-hmm. was going around. And I feel like Abrams was a guy who knew, like, oh yeah, what if we apply that to a book? Like that's a cool idea, and it's it's fun. It is fun. I think, I think it in the best way it can provide the world that, in some ways, Susanna Clark's book can only sort of reference. Right. But in the worst way, it just seems like, I don't know, what whatever James Frey is doing. No. <laughs> yeah, I where, don't know. Where it just, se- it just seems like a naked, like, give me all of your money and time. Night Film is another one that yeah. has sort of that, you know, the, first, the opening chapter having just being, being websites. Yeah, and then, and then when he goes into the deep web area, mm-hmm. those were all, that was very cool. And again... That was sort of like it's it's pulled into the book, so it's part of that world, and maybe that's what I, I sort of like sort of roll my eyes about with like the the real websites for us or the um, the James Frey multiverse um, <laughs> is just like you know it, do it on the page. Yeah, books are books, and and like it's cool when you can connect it and, and create it, but it needs to really stand up on its own. And right. that film totally did. And I just feel like the James Frey thing might not. I don't know. Maybe I'm going to try it. I'm talking about it enough. I'm obviously interested. <laughs> I mean, and, you know, the payoff would be great. Yeah. Well, and, and there's something interesting, too, about like the that's like sort of a lowbrow gimmick, I think, like putting in the putting in the like the Web pages. Like it's interesting. Mm-hmm. And but there's also like a, there's like accepted highbrow gimmicks, too, like um all the no- the footnotes of Infinite Jest that take up the last 200 pages of that book, right? Flipping back and forth, no one, you know, people talk about it, but no one says like, eh, that's a gimmick, right? Yeah, that's true. Or um, or there's uh, the coming out later this year. There's that um, every page of Moby Dick illustrated. Yeah, that's a gimmick, but that's cool. Like, right. and, I, and I think that um, that again, it's elevating it. It's taking it to this form that you might not have thought about it before. But again, it's all on the page. Hmm. I mean, I kind of feel like this, that perfectly describes our book for this episode, mm-hmm. uh, Grady Hendrix's Horror Store. What the, the umlaut? Yeah, uh, over the O. o. I don't o. know, I mean, store. Horror Store. That's the thing, is it's not real Swedish. I know. <laughs> it's so funny, because this book, Horror Store by Grady Hendrix, it looks like an Ikea manual. Yeah, so... Um, 
a friend of mine had a, a traumatic experience with Ikea trying to get his bed. There was a hashtag for a while, hashtag get Jack his bed. Um, <laughs> and it, I mean, it worked. The Ikea social media people were, were not pleased with the fact that we were flooding there. But so he was over in my apartment and saw this book on my, on my uh, coffee table and like had a visceral reaction to it because he thought it was an Ikea catalog. And I was like, no, it's a book about like a spooky Ikea. And he was like, that's even worse. <laughs> yeah. And if, if you look at the cover for a second, it's like, oh, that's an Ikea catalog. But then you look in the, you look in the, the like picture the mirror. Frame? Yeah, yeah. And there's like a creepy Ooh, face. It, yeah. It actually startled me because I didn't notice it the first couple of times I looked at the cover. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I think I, I loved reading this book, um, for, for more than just the gimmick. Um, I think the story was really interesting breaking down this person who was already in this corporate job and the corporate job getting more and more labyrinthine Mm -hmm. and, and torturous that she basically just wanted to stop living. Yeah. And, and that conflict of, of feeling so regimented in your life is actually horrifying. And it's, and it, it gives it gave rise to the zombie genre in general. I think like where the corporate life is so mm-hmm. the nine to five like plug in plug out of life seems like zombieism to people. That's why it's scary, right? Like the um, in uh, that Colson Whitehead Zone One mm-hmm. when like the zombies are still just doing like that repetitive manual task. So do you do you read horror fiction? I do. I mean, certainly, especially during the month of October. Mm-hmm. I try to only read spooky, but also I enjoy it. I enjoy a well-tailored, scary novel. Okay, so I don't actually read a lot of horror fiction. So this, to me, was Ooh. pretty... It was fun. It wasn't terribly spooky, but there were a couple good chilling, like, I got kind of wrapped up in it. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious if it works as a horror novel to someone who reads them. I mean, the thing that's more horrifying about it I think then there are a couple of good scary moments that as you're sort of picturing in your head, you know, you were like, Oh man. Ooh. But also I think it's just the general concept. Like a, I'm surprised that no one has ever written. No one has written this yet. Right. We all talk about it all the time. Like, Oh, how scary would it be to be stuck in an Ikea overnight? Even though it's not Ikea. I liked <laughs> side note how good he was about being like, it's a U.S. knockoff of Ikea called right. Orsk. Yeah, and then really all of the like fake language and uh, yeah. everything is so good. And um in this and like making it look like a manual from this this store is sort of it was I don't know, it sort of elevated it to kind of make you think like, yeah, you know what, this is kind of possible. Right. But yeah, that's with thing all of, the coupons at the back and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like that that sense of if you were in an IKEA and the lights went out. That would easily be one of the most terrifying experiences. Especially and so, if you were in the mirror area of the, uh, of the housewares. <laughs> yeah. Like, so the, just that, the atmosphere, I think, is what, where it really succeeded as a scary book. Because we've all had this thought. So, uh, horror story is about, so she goes to work. It's her, she's worried that this might be her last day. So she's dodging her boss. And her boss kind of comes to her and says, I'll give you basically enough money to cover rent if you stay with me tonight and like investigate some of the weird things that have been happening at the store. Yeah. Cause they've been coming in in the mornings and like there's stuff that's been destroyed or there's yeah human waste on a sofa. 
Um, but yeah, so then they end up staying in the place overnight. Two other um, people who work there end up also like sneaking in because they want to film... Like a ghost hunters type show. Yeah, because apparently the store was built on some sort of creepy ground. It's unclear at the beginning yeah. and then... No, this is a very classic haunted house story. Yeah. But yeah. it was, I think it really... It, the, the added gimmick of, you know, all the Ikea-nesque is really effective. Yeah, I mean, each... the My favorite part of the gimmick is that each chapter begins with a photo in like that blue and white blueprint sort of imagery. And it starts out very simple. Like, it here's the couch... And it has, like, the fake Swedish name, and it has a little description about it and tells you, like, what the order number is and all that stuff. And then as it goes on, the things start getting increasingly creepy. Right. So I'm going to read uh, I'm gonna read a little bit from here. Yeah. So the, one of the early ones, uh, this chapter 8, it's called Frank, spelled F-R-A-N-J-K. <laughs> and it's a dining room table, and it says, dining is not about the table and chairs. It's about the conversations and companions that you invite into your home, making memories that will sparkle tonight and last forever. Frank is the frame. Your life is the picture. It's like, I have read that in an <laughs> yeah. Ikea catalog. And then near the, closer to the end, we've got Ingalut. And um, it's, a, it's sort of like a modified stocks. Uh, submit to the panic fear and helplessness of drowning with the hope of death a distant dream this elegantly designed ingolet hydrotherapy bath allows the user to suffer this stress again and again until the cure is complete <laughs> yeah it's scary it's it is a, and it and it's very effective um i there's there's it's of of course um, Gail Berman, who developed Buffy the Vampire Slayer for television, uh, just bought the rights to this book for Fox. Great! And oh just, man! But yeah, horror store. It was. It's. It it's was good. It's, it was good. You don't. It, the the one thing I will say about it, from a, a horror fan perspective, is that you don't go into it for the real deep, like, I'm staying up at night because I don't want nightmares scares. And as someone who doesn't really like reading horror books, this is actually pretty safe as long as you read it in the afternoon yeah. with your lights on so the dark doesn't get you. Yeah. Uh, so do you have a do you have a recommendation to start off this snowy season? I, People are c curling up with books and rum hot toddies. Yeah, yes indeed they are. Um, I do. Uh, it's Ben Lerner's new novel, 1004. Okay, so that's that's one of these uh, second chance people for me. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I, I love leaving Atacha Station. And I haven't read it. Um, but I, I am curious to give this a second chance. Why, what's it about? It's, I want to call it like semi-fiction because it's not quite... Um, Fictional in the same way that his first novel was sort of, you know, it's vaguely him, but also it's not. This one, he uh, is a novelist. The main character's name, Ben. It's a novelist who has sold his debut novel to like rapturous critical praise and has just sold uh, a pitch for his second novel. And he's just sort of wandering around New York. It's bookended by Hurricanes Irene and Sandy. Mm. 
And it's basically like this, he's just living this life and he's thinking about writing and what inspired this guy to write. And it, it's the sort of thing that no matter how you describe it, it sounds boring. Right. Or it sounds just very like, okay, here's like another pretentious Brooklyn guy writing about his Brooklyn life. Okay. But it's, it like, it does this thing where it really makes you think about what, what it means, what fiction is. Mm. And like how, how much can you change your life or not? And like, is the story, the narrative of our lives individually, isn't that kind of in a way fiction too, because we are consciously attempting to guide it. It's interesting. Yeah. It's it's thought provoking and it's, you know, it's a short read and it's, it's very well written. He's a poet. So he's got away with words. I'm excited about it. I'm going to, I'm definitely going to read it for sure. Um, uh, what's, I'm, what's yours? What do you, yeah. What's I'm next? recommending, um, Christopher Morley's The Haunted Bookshop, Ooh. which is actually one of those, um, uh, Melville House novellas. Um, and it's actually, it's either a sequel or the prequel to, um, another book called Parnassus on Wheels, Oh yeah, but it's I not, one. it's not really, uh, it's not really about being haunted. Um, it's more like the hauntedness is like a bookshop is always haunted because it's haunted by the ghosts of the writers who wrote the books. Nice. And, um, and it's just this, it's a very, it's a strangely heartwarming story, um, about a bookshop owner and, uh, and sort of his apprentice. And it's just sort of, it's very sweet. And I would be very, very surprised if, uh, Robin Sloan hadn't read it before he wrote, uh, Mr. Uh-huh. Penumbra's 24-hour bookshop because it's sort of uh, Mr. Penumbra's 24-hour bookshop without like the conspiracy plot. Hmm. But uh, yeah, highly recommended. And I um, and it's kind of what drove me to think I want this uh, Melville House subscription. Nice. Yeah. Buy it for your kids for Christmas. <sighs> yeah. Mom, Dad, if you're listening. Yeah. All right. Well. Thank um, you very much. We'll see you in a couple of weeks with. Uh, Laurie R. King's The Beekeeper's Apprentice. Yeah, and we'll be talking uh, Christmas because Christmas is coming up. Yes, indeed. All right. Well, see you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.